happy Tuesday and welcome to another edition of your favorite podcast, Burgers and Brats. Got a lot to cover going on uh, in the sports world. And we've got guest Jacob Clements coming back on the show. But before we dive into that, we're going to talk some NBA playoffs, some coaching changes, hires, some Team USA basketball, who's going to be competing, who's not competing, and some MLB playoff stand or MLB regular season standings. So, Jacob, thanks for coming back on the show. Oh, I'm very happy to be back after a long hiatus <laughs> involving a research paper. I really did not want to write. Yeah, well, maybe we can talk a little bit of research um, in this uh, podcast. Maybe not. It's probably a little boring. I think it's about rocks, right? Uh, it's about the geology of north-central New Mexico and yeah. one of the most famous rocks in America, the Vandalier Tuff. Yeah, we will stick to some conference uh, finals play. Yeah, Barry Weaver, <laughs> screw you. Uh, first, make sure you follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Pandora, and literally any other streaming service at Burgers and Brats. That's Burgers Ampersand Brats. And make sure you follow on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at Burgers and Brats. So, Clements, some conference finals are going on right now. Some some good games. Some actually really good games uh, happening. Uh, some good good series that we've seen. So let's first talk uh, with the Suns and Clippers. It's now Suns three wins, Clippers two. So Suns are up three two in the series. Uh, no Kawhi Leonard at all this series. Uh, playoff and way off P have both of them showing up in this series for sure. Uh, let let let's talk about Game Four real quick. Mm-hmm. I believe it was Game Yeah Game Four. Yes. So that it, the Clippers were. Dominating that game, they they just feel like they've been dominating the series, but just haven't been getting the wins. Uh, way off P blew the game again at the free throw line, so he had 18 free throw attempts that game, only 23 total points. So it's not good at the free throw line. Missed two key ones down the end of the stretch, which would have tied it, maybe taken the lead. Um, I I feel bad for Steve Ballmer the most out of all of this for sure. You know, I feel like when Steve Ballmer bought the Clippers, like he was really looking for them to rival the Lakers, not only in height, but in actual wins. And, you know, I mean, now you can kind of make the case that this season, especially with the Lakers being out, you know, L.A., the city of fair-weathered sports fans, you know, including, you know, teams such as the Dodgers, screw you, Trevor Bauer, um, you know, they've all transitioned to being Clippers fans at this point, you know, along with, you know, the most loyal of Clipper fans. And, you know, I think... All five of them. Yes, all five of them. It's like that Family Guy skit with the WNBA where the announcers are like, that's for the fan to decide. That's basically what it's like for the Clippers. They're just Lakers fans that have extra time. And so, with that, you know, I do think, you know, finally they are getting up to that height, but I noticed that you were using a lot of words, like, you know, towards the end of the game, down the stretch... With that, the Clippers just aren't getting the wins because, in my opinion, they're not doing well in that clutch time, which is an incredibly vague thing to define, but when you, it's kind of like you see it and you know it, and they just haven't been performing in that time. They can't, they can't finish. Oh, that's even, basically yep. it, and so that's where the Suns are getting those wins. They're keeping it close. That's what's happening. Even going back to Game 3, they sh- Clippers should have won that game uh, in Clippers. Paul, Paul George uh, missing those two free throws at the end, and they get the Suns get the lob to win. The Clippers should be they should have won the series tonight, in my opinion. They or at least they should be up three two, but they they should be winning this series right now. They just been just they just can't put it down um, at the end of the game. Uh, 
I, I do not want to hear any uh, praise for Chris Paul. I really don't this series. I know all the sports, big sports media just love Chris Paul. He had his best game of the series tonight. But before tonight, he was 11 of 41 in his uh, two games back from the series, shooting 27%. He had a few, uh, he had a few more shots made tonight. D books been putting up 20, 25. Uh, I think he had 30 tonight. So let's talk about the game last night. Uh, Sun or the Clippers defeat the Suns uh, pretty handily. Um, especially Suns made it close and down the stretch, but Clippers win 116 to 102. Paul George, Paul George with 41 points. Devin Booker with 31. Uh, Paul George also leading in rebounds and assists. He had 20 in the third quarter. Uh, what did you see from the game, uh, game five? You know, with that, like, with Chris Paul, I think a lot of the hype has come from the fact that he's essentially a great teammate. He's good at getting assists, you know, all that type of stuff. And that's probably why, you know, there's been a lot of love from him from the announcers, even though he hasn't been productive. Now, are announcers always right? No. But, you know, at the same time, you know, I think that's kind of where some of that comes from. Now, in regards to Paul George, I think that, you know, there were some very questionable flops that he committed. Uh, same for CP3. Yes, that is accurate. Like, and flopping is a league-wide problem in the NBA. However, um, Paul George did commit some questionable fouls, flops, etc. But, you know, the point production was there. You know, he definitely had... You know, he definitely showed up, and that's something that I think has been missing this entire series, Kawhi or not, is, I mean, you can have Kawhi, but you need the rest of the team to show up, too, and Paul George finally showed up in a way that was consistent with his hype, in my opinion. This team and playoff, or way off playoff P, however you want to say, it's, it's being back and forth between way off and playoff, it, but Paul George is just a roller coaster player this series. He, You saw him carry against the... Jazz last series when Kawhi went out, uh, but he's been he's been playing good. He's been keeping the Clippers in this series. The fact that they're going to Game Six and that every game has been within like five points that they've lost is really remarkable considering no Kawhi. I want to ask you something. I I I, I could if Paul George was healthy this season, this series I believe Clippers definitely could have swept. They probably would have won in five, but this that team definitely could have swept because you saw how close every game is. They should have had game two. They should have won the game yesterday, uh, game three, or game four. They were 0 for 12 in the fourth quarter when having a chance to tie or take the lead. So it just hasn't been that clutch, uh, Gene. But if they had Paul George, I mean, Kawhi Leonard, do you think the Clippers would already have won this series? I don't think they already would have won the series. Um, Monty Williams and the rest of the Suns, I mean, they've gotten to where they are now because they've been willing to make adjustments and do what's necessary to try and win just one more game. And so I think it would have been more competitive. But I think, you know, right now going into game six, we'd probably be talking about the Clippers being up 3-2 to two and not the Suns. Yeah, just one be two made free throws and Sun Clippers are up 3-2 right now. Yeah. Without so, Kawhi Leonard. And so I think that even with Kawhi, the fact that he would be there still, like, I do still think that it would be this close as far as, like, you know, one game apart, right? I don't think the Clippers would have already won, but I do think that they would have won their games by a larger margin with Kawhi. But I think that it would be a 3-2 to two Clippers instead of a 3-2 to two Suns. And you see they won by 14 last night, so it's crazy. I, I really think this series would have been over last night if Kawhi Leonard played. I really do, in five. I really think that would have happened. So, Matt, or Clements, I'm going to... This is a Mickey Mouse path to the finals for the Suns. Do you agree with that? 
To a degree, yes. I think they've certainly benefited. I mean, Jamal Murray being out for the Nuggets, who, I mean, is responsible for a lot of their assist production there, you know, especially getting stuff to Jokic, yep. outside players. You know, I think also... Yeah, know, he separates from Jokic, getting Jokic open shots, too. Exactly, um. and I think also not having Kawhi, like, that certainly plays a factor. Now, I mean, when they played the Lakers with LeBron... Like, and this is something I think has been a common trend even more this year with how much LeBron has been out and all that stuff. LeBron is obviously never going to drop out of the conversation of greatest of all time. Greatest in the NBA right now, he is not. Who in is? In my opinion. Who? I mean, I think that there are other players that actually can make a better case at this point. Who? I think Jokic, for one. All right. I think... You know, Kevin Durant, he was fully healthy because I think he's still struggling. Well, LeBron, so. LeBron was 60% in the playoffs. I mean, that is true. And but he's also, I mean, you can finally tell this season, age is getting to him. Well, cause, yeah, because he broke, because he stepped on his ankle. I mean, yeah. if he didn't step on his ankle, they probably would have at least made the conference finals. Well, with no AD. But, yeah, that's my point. Uh, it's a Mickey, it's got to be a Mickey Mouse path. No, no AD, 60% LeBron, no Jamal. And then uh, no Kawhi Leonard. So I, I think it's a weak path for the Suns. I mean, they're getting it done. They're the team. Like everyone said, all the NBA players, all the people have said, who, whichever team's the healthiest at the end of the year is going to be the team to win. And right now it is uh, the Suns for yeah. that. Um, so is the, what do you, is the series over? Three, it's 3-2 three, two, three, two Suns right now. Is the series over? And who do you got winning? I don't think so. I think. I don't think it's going to go to a Game 7. I think Game 6, like, the Suns will go and win it in L.A. Um, it's going to be a close one. It's been close games this entire series, excluding this past one. But, I mean, I think the Suns, like I said earlier, they've been great at making adjustments, doing what needs to be done. They have a really young core that can bounce back. I think the Suns are going to win it, but I think it's going to be close, and I think they're going to kind of relish going into L.A. and taking that from the Clippers. I think it'll go Game 7. It's hard to win three games in a row, but we've seen the Clippers win four in a row back to or We've seen them, yeah, the last series, and they won uh, four out of five that series before. I, I'm, I think I'm going to go Clippers in seven. I think I'm going to go – I know it will be hard to win at home or on the road in Game 7 at the Suns, but I, I 100% believe it will go to Game 7, and that's just up for grabs. Game 7s yeah. are always up for grabs. So uh, let's go to the Eastern Conference and talk about the Hawks and the Bucks. So Bucks take Game Two. Oh, let's talk Game Two first. That was insane. Uh, Bucks take Game Two, one twenty-five to ninety-one. Uh, that that's the Bucks team that we we expect uh, with Giannis, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, all of them to step up. I was a little shocked uh, at that score after the Hawks take Game One, but what are your thoughts after Game Two before Game Three? I. I think definitely Trey has the potential, you know, being the first time at this level in the playoffs to actually get there, right? Like, I think they have the potential with the Hawks in general to advance past the Bucks. I think the Bucks at times have been inconsistent with people outside of Giannis, and I think that Giannis, you know, I mean, you can ignore the stuff about, you know, him taking forever at the free throw line, all that stuff, right? But, you know, at the end of the day, um, I still don't quite include him in the greatest in the, in the NBA right now conversation for me because 
you know, this is his first time in the Eastern Conference Finals. You know, other, you know, other players on that list, right, have reached it before, right, or have at least won a ridiculously high amount of season, of regular season games, right, and done well in the first couple rounds of the playoffs, even if they haven't gotten there, right? But I do think right now, like, it's just such a difficult series to predict. I mean, I think the Bucks just kind of got there because they, I mean, like, obviously they got there, but, like, I don't know. I was just a little bit uneasy about them, I guess. Um, yeah, we didn't. None but, of us thought Giannis could carry to the Eastern Conference, especially beating a, a Nets team with all those Hall of Famers. I mean, there was no Kawhi Leonard in most of it. Yeah. Or like you, Kyrie Irving. I mean, yeah, if you asked me at the beginning of the year who I thought would beat the Bucks, right, in a potential playoff series, it would have been the Nets. I mean, they had their chemistry issues, but at the end of the day, they're all going to score James Harden without a fat suit somehow. <laughs> But that's kind of like what, I mean, that's kind of what I guess everyone expected. And now with the Bucks being the Eastern Conference Finals, you know, I say it's up for grabs. I still have Atlanta in it just because I think that, again, they have a young core that can bounce back, you know, younger than, you know, Giannis, Middleton, et cetera, right? Only slightly, but slightly younger in the NBA is a whole decade, essentially, in normal life. And so... I think the Hawks can come back, but I think that one for sure is going to go to Game 7. So Hawks in 7. Hawks in 7. All right, well, it's crazy. Uh, Hawks will probably blow out the Bucks in this uh, next game because that's how the trend goes. Close game, blow out, close game, blow out. So it's the Hawks' turn. Uh, Hawks did, or the Hawks did blow Game 3. Uh, they were up 15 early. Holding, they were holding on until Trey got injured in the fourth quarter. You have to remember, Trey Young did injure his ankle, so that could be bad for the Hawks because they did not play well without him on the floor. That is very true. Although I do think Clint Capella, outstanding rebounder, outstanding scorer in the paint. You know, I watched him in Houston. He, I think he's going to bring an X factor, and I guess he's really good at trash talking too. So he is good. He is good know, at trash talking. Well, I think he'll. I think he'll step up a little bit more with Trey out if he does have to sit out a game. Yeah, they'll need to make those shots because they could not hit anything down uh, the line. Giannis had 33. Middleton finally stepped up. This was his first time showing up in the playoffs, basically, especially that series. He had 38 points. Trey with 35. And Clements, only three other players had over 10 points for the Hawks. I mean, if you look at it, I think that's really just kind of who the teams are. Like, you know, the Hawks have, you know, basically Trey and Capella. And... You know, that's it. And they can go off, right? Yeah. You know, the Bucks, same thing. Holiday, Middleton, Giannis. It's really about it. So, I mean, like that, you know, it's less of a team effort, I think, in that instance. And it's more of like, okay, how can we get it to one of these two or three guys on each yeah. side? Yeah. So, I think that's kind of the case that's happening there. Yeah. So, series over. You say no uh, Hawks and seven for you. I say no, uh, Bucks are up 2-1 right now. It's not over. Uh, Hawks win. I got the Hawks win the next game going 2-2. I think this goes game 6, game 7, because you see the Hawks can keep it close and especially win a game. Um, they showed us they can win, sustain leads. They just need to finish and put away in the future. Uh, so that's our NBA Conference Finals update. So let's move into some coaching hires, changes that have been going on around the league. We'll start with the Trailblazers hiring Chauncey Billups. Five-year deal for Chauncey. Dame did lobby for him. 
thoughts on the hire and what's going with Dame Lillard? You know, okay, obviously Damian Lillard in Portland, that's his team. He's like when Russ was in Oklahoma City. Like, you don't, like, you run everything past him because you don't want to piss off your franchise player. I think the person who really loses out on this is Becky Hammond. I think she absolutely deserves a head coaching job. It's about damn time that she gets one. She's proven herself with the Spurs when Popovich has been out. She clearly has the talent. She's worked harder than a lot of other assistant coaches. And, you know, I really thought if there was a team that would essentially, which kind of sucks to say this, but take a flyer on her, it would be Portland. I mean, you know, that... That, I think, really would have been, you know, not only good for, like, players, right, to kind of have mm-hmm. that different experience. Especially because they're not a lower-level team. They've exactly. made the playoffs, they're sixth seed or whatever, so. Yeah, like, they're, you know, perennial lower seed in the playoffs, you know, or at least in the play-in now, I guess. And, mm-hmm. you know, with that as well, you know, with the culture of Portland and the fact that she's worked so hard and had so many experiences – I mean, honestly, I thought she would have gotten a lot more credit. Chauncey Billups, I'm really just kind of middle of the road about him. I don't really care or not care in any way. Like, he's just kind of like, he's just kind of there. Five-year deal, though, a little bit long. I feel like three to four is kind of the standard right now. Especially for someone who's never coached or head coached. Yeah, I do feel like the five-year deal was probably the result of Dame having some influence on that. But I do really wish Becky Hammond had gotten that. Me so too. that we shouldn't have to go to a team like the Magic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, is is it enough for Dame to stay? You think he stays all five years, or you think Dame requests a trade soon this year? I don't think Damian requests a trade because I think he knows he's the number one guy in Portland, and I think the office knows that as well. And if you're looking at it from a pure money perspective, if you're the number one guy, that's where you want to stay. And I don't think he's... He doesn't strike me as the type to go off and form a super team. And so, like, with that, I think he's going to stay in Portland regardless, as long as they keep paying him money. I think that's kind of the key there. I think as long as he's getting, you know, high free agent money from Portland, that's where he's going to stay because he knows that after this hire, essentially, he is a factor in pretty much all the front office decisions. He can request guys to be around him if they want. Request, you know, if they have a good draft pick, request someone out of college, right? And they'll do anything to kind of keep him happy while he's still relatively in his prime. So yeah. I think he'll stay. I I don't know. I, I got a feeling he might want out. I, I really do, but I think he'll definitely stay maybe this year. I don't know when his contract ends, uh, but he might request a trade if it doesn't go as well um, as he hopes for next year. And so Rick Carlisle, who just stepped down as the Mavericks head coach, is heading to the, returning to the Pacers uh, to coach on a four-year $29 million. So he got less of a 10-year than Chauncey Billups did hit for his first gig. Thoughts on Carlisle going to the Pacers? I think it's a little bit lower pressure job. I think he's kind of proven himself in Dallas to be at least someone who can perennially, you know, get close to a playoff spot or get there right. And the West is harder than the East. And so with that, you know, in the East, he probably translates to a lower seed playoff coach. And, you know, he's also known for really building culture. Um, and I think that Indiana at that point is willing to take that bid on building a culture because they still have young stars and turn Sabonis. You know, they're kind of, and now LeBert too. I mean, you know, they're kind of wanting to keep those guys together, in my opinion, build a culture. And so I think that's a good hire for them. D- 
Dallas, it's an evidence of a coaching change. I just feel uneasy about where they're going. Pacers, I think it's a good pickup. I don't think he's going to be the guy to lead them to a finals, but, I mean, they'll get, you know, maybe a playoff series win yeah. at some point. I think it was a good hire, too, uh, Rick Carlisle going to the Pacers. Uh, they were tied for the eight seed last year with the Wizards. Uh, so they ended up nine seed, but uh, this team can only go up, especially with Levert, because he was out the rest of that, or the whole season last year uh, with an injury. They've got Brogdon, they've got Sabonis, so they've got some definitely some good key pieces in Indiana. So expect a pretty good seeding for them for next year. And then I know you want to talk about this one. Jason Kidd is heading to the Dallas Mavericks as their head coach. So this is uh, one of his, his third gig as a head coach, first year. Uh, with Brooklyn, he went to the semifinals. Uh, three years in Milwaukee, two playoff trips, and he inherited and developed Giannis to the star he is today. Maybe not give him all the credit, but maybe a little bit of credit. He has a 183 and 190 career regular season record, and he's 9 and 15 in uh, three or three playoff appearances. Uh, Mavs were fifth last year. Expectations for this year and Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd is. You know, let's put this in terms of something that's really relevant to us right now, which is COVID vaccines. Jason Kidd is like a Johnson & Johnson of COVID vaccines. <laughs> he is really not going to do anything. This is a fan service move. It looks good on the outside, but I think secretly it kind of pisses Luca off because Luca had his guy. Porzingis obviously is not doing good. I see Dallas trending downward with this. It simply being a fan service move by Cuban to harken back to their one not the most in Texas at all, won NBA championship from 10 years ago. <laughs> this is this is a straight fan service move. That's all that it is. I don't really see him doing that good. You know, in Brooklyn, you know, he inherited a good team, Milwaukee. I mean, when you have someone who's on the cusp of, of being one of the greatest players in the NBA currently, you know, of course, you know, you're expected to make the playoffs at that point, right? Especially when they're in the East. But I think... You know, in a tight division as well, you know, with hopefully the Rockets rebuilding. Um, yeah, the Rockets aren't going to challenge them. They're not going to challenge them. I'm said the hope, hoping the Rockets are going to rebuild, but the Spurs still kind of doing good in a more challenging West. And unless they get another, you know, some another guy who can, like, catch and shoot, help them on defense maybe. Um, Trade or, Porzingis, my God. Yeah, or, like, Hopefully Porzingis just wakes up in like you know like Space Jam right and like <laughs> the Monstars and actually gets like you know better power there. I mean, I it's a fan service move to sell tickets in my opinion. That's what it is. Yeah, I can. It's it's not a great move. I don't like the move at all. I mean, I do if I'm not a Mavs fan. Uh, <laughs> if I want to see them lose, because uh, they're challenging every. They're getting better and better with Luca every year and going to challenge in the West. I, I really don't see them being a top six seed at least next year, especially with this move. I give Jason Kidd maybe two to three years, uh, max um, at the Mavs. Uh, not not really a fan of this move. If I'm a Mavericks fan, I don't really like it. Uh, hopefully they get some trades some for some more pieces and build around Luca because that's their only hope. Uh, I'm not not really sold on the Jason Kidd hire. Luca is going to be stuck there just like Westbrook was stuck in Oklahoma City for a while. He's yep. going to be surrounded by people who are more than halfway decent, as Porzingis has turned out to be, but ultimately he's just not going to be able to eclipse that in any way unless Dallas just gets another huge star and spends the money. 
And I don't think Jason Kidd is the coach to leave him there. I think he's in interim, so that way they can tank a little bit, maybe get a better draft pick, go from there. Yeah, waste Luca's prime. Uh, so let's let's move on to some other NBA news. Talk about the team USA basketball team. Have you have you seen these? Have you seen this uh, thing? Did you see what was it? Jalen Rose said about Kevin Love. You know, I'm gonna be honest. Kind of, I'm kind of agree with that. <laughs> I really haven't seen that. I literally just tune in the Olympics every year, every year, knowing that because Team USA fields a bunch of NBA stars, they're most likely gonna just kind of mock the rest of the competition. I get to hear the Star Spangled Banner while they're all standing on the uh, top podium there. That's really just kind of my expectation for it. You know, obviously Giannis is going to be playing for Greece. Um, you know, they'll they'll be a very quick exit. But this um, won't be this won't be a, such a dominant team, I don't believe. For team I, don't USA. Think, I don't think it's as dominant as it has been in recent Olympics, right? But it's not a bad team by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, your starting five is going to be fire with KD, Lillard, Beal and Booker, I'm guessing, are going to be the starting five uh, for sure. Oh, and then throw in probably Draymond Green at the center. Mm-hmm. But uh, they, they're lucky that these other NBA players aren't playing for their home countries because they could definitely lose, uh, especially with Jokic playing on Serbia or Ben Simmons on Australia, but he needs to work on a shot. Ben and Simmons needs to work on everything. <laughs> yeah, he does. That, that is not a hot take. That's just a take. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the full-team USA rock roster, Kevin Durant, Damian Lillard, Bradley Beal, Jason Tatum, Devin Booker, Zach Levine somehow, uh, Kevin Love. I don't know why he's there. I, I do not understand why Kevin Love is on this team. Bam Adebayo, Draymond Green, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, and Jeremy Grant are your Team USA. What sticks out to you, and what for what reason on that? I like Adebayo. He's... In my opinion, one of the best young centers in the NBA right now. I, you know, I really think like, you know, I think Draymond will probably draw the start at center right or power forward if KD wants to do center or something. Because let's be real, KD is not like six eleven or whatever he is. <laughs> He's over seven foot. And, but I think Autobio or Tatum are is probably the sixth man in that. Um, you know, I think that they both have that kind of young talent. You know, I think that's kind of what is happening right now with this team. Um, you know, I don't think it's just going to be a complete dredging, but they they should win gold. They should, but I think I think these games will be a little close. I, I really do. Um, who do you think could start, Tatum or Booker? I say Booker draws a start, especially if he continues to do good, right, in yeah. the Suns Clippers series. Um, I don't think Tatum gets a start. I think. Like I said, it's in my opinion, it's a toss-up between Tatum and Adebayo for the sixth man. Coming off the bench, he's going to get you know a good 25 minutes a game, right, at least. And, I mean, that's honestly, like, especially having that big man come off and maybe going a little bit small, more small ball with that, and having that more power rebounder and Trayvon and power fouler as well, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I, think that, I think that's really going to kind of how – I think that's how it's going to shake out. Yeah, hope. Yeah, it should win. They should win gold. Uh, maybe a little tight, but pretty, pretty, pretty decent team. Few little surprises out there. Uh, anything else in the NBA wise? Not really. No. Kind of hoping that we see a, a Suns Hawks play uh, finals there. Nope. Going against the cl- uh, going against the Suns. I got twenty bucks on the field right now. Going going against the Suns. But what does your heart tell you? 
I do not want the Suns. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> Don't really care. I kind of want to see Giannis win. I want to see Trey Young obviously win, but I want to see Giannis win, put him over that hump, and for sure him into the Hall of Fame. For sure. Uh, so let's move into on this day in history. Uh, 1919, the Treaty of Versailles. Vers- Verza- Vers- oh my goodness. Versailles. Versailles, yes. Thank you. Uh, ending World War One was signed. And then uh, 1938, Superman first appears in the DC Comics. You a big Superman guy? No, I'm a Marvel guy. I mean, they put out better content and they don't change directors mid-film. <laughs> Sounds like a shot. I wish I knew what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, look at the Snyder Cut. There's a reason that it actually exists. The DC Comics world is absolutely terrible in the movies. Marvel all the way. All right, Marvel all the way. And then 1613. Shakespeare's Theater in London burns down during a performance of Henry VIII. And guess guess whose birthday we're celebrating this week? Henry VIII. Yes. So, one day after his birthday. Well, that wasn't the only thing that burned down when he was there. His marriages burned down, too. Yeah, a lot of them burned. A lot of them burned to the ground. Uh, so, happy birthday to Mel Brooks, who is 95, turning 95. I know. Uh, Elon Musk, who is now 50, the, oh, the Doge father. Doge father. And then Henry VIII. So uh, the st- performance, the theater burned down one day after his birthday. Mm-hmm. So that's on this day. Make sure you follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Pandora, and anywhere else you get your podcasts at Burgers Brots. Stay up to date with latest news on Twitter and Instagram at Burgers Brought. So let's dive into a little MLB. It's been a while since I've talked some MLB. Have you been paying attention to this, Clemens? You know, I have been paying attention to the Astros, as they are my team. Um, I've also been paying attention to some of this, you know, some of these new rules that have been happening. Yeah, I want to get your thoughts and on the pitching substance rule. Okay. So I I, I kind of like it. uh, it's kind of it's fun to see these pitchers just throw tantrums after getting oh, checked. Oh, exactly, and I mean like it's also fun to see now pitchers whose spin rates have dropped three or four hundred RPM. <laughs> Trevor Bauer, oh my God, bro, come on, man. <laughs> Garrett Cole. Hey, don't leave him out. Leave him out of there. Okay, you know what? I gotta trash him. Okay, he ditched just. <laughs> he got you a World Series. No, he didn't. He wasn't on the 2017 team. He wasn't? No, he was there for 2018 and 2019. Y'all didn't win either? No. Yeah, y'all did. No, we went to the one in 2019, lost to the Nats, and in 2018, we got cheated out by the cheating Red Sox who cut off a poor video man's income. Oh, yeah, Red Sox. Red Sox, you cheat just as terrible, if not worse. You improved on the Astro system. Oh, my God, you need to pay some penalties there. But I have been paying attention to baseball in general. And with, like, this... Like, I do think it's funny that one pitcher that basically stripped down in the middle of the game. <laughs> like, you know, it's about time MLB actually does something, right? And this is the only way that they're actually going to get it. Because I'm going to say I'm gonna say a questionable word here, and I'm prefacing this. Rob Manfred is just an absolute pussy. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. I don't want to have to edit that out. Come on, really? I'm sorry. Oh, but my it's God. it's true. He... You know what, people in basketball... I gotta go put a trigger warning in here now. Oh my... Really? I already said damn. That's... Well, that's just... Fred already proved that he... Like, and... And, you know, I mean, I do think the Astros maybe should have gotten a little bit harsher penalty. I'm gonna have to make you sign a liability waiver for this now. You're... I'm gonna have to make you sign a waiver or something. I'm sorry about this, okay? But it's true. He really hasn't 
crack down, especially in the case of the Red Sox, or when the Yankees and the Red Sox were, and the Dodgers were caught using Apple Watches. Whoa, where's your Astros? Bring your Astros I, up in there. Oh, shut up. Oh, my first. God. Like, Barely you know in passing mention. Okay, and yeah. You and know, the Astros. All right, moving on. That's yeah, what you, you said. Know, he did crack down on the Astros, but his crackdown's a bit inconsistent. It's nice to see that the league office is actually cracking down on this stuff for once. And, you know, it's also funny to see these pitchers that, you know, I mean, Garrett Cole, who cried during a press game conference because he thought he was going to get injured, right? And his spin rate drops by three or 400 RPM. Bauer, who does this little sword thing every time that he gets a strikeout, which looks <laughs> stupid as heck. And his spin rates have also dropped. You know, I mean, it's kind of nice to see that, especially with Bauer, you know. Are we getting more home runs because of the crackdown? I don't necessarily think so. I think especially then. with the ball changes, right? Sticky stuff or not, like, I think today's players are continually putting in more effort, and that's what's leading to more home runs. You know, teams, you know, I feel like even more so now are focusing on hitting. They're more aware of the ball changes because, you know, before the league could change it and just be like, oh, it changed. Well, now they actually have to describe, okay, how slippery is the ball? you know, how tight is the weaving and all that stuff. And that, with all this analytics that goes into it, that affects how teams coach their hitters, essentially. And so I think it's more of a case of better coaching against what you know is coming, pitch or not, you know what the ball is going to do physically. And so I think that that's what's playing into this recent hitting streak more than anything. Yeah, you want me to watch baseball again? Put Let them take PEDs again. That'll get me back into baseball. Watch the home runs. That's all I care about. You know what? Also, Manfred, while we're at it, remove the rule on weed for him. Honestly, Might like, as well. you know, it's legal in a lot of states. It's legal medically. Let players use it. Don't drug test them. The NBA is kind of leading the way on this. NFL's finally kind of catching up. They Manfred, need it. Man. After playing 162 games every year and not yeah. including the playoffs, my God, could you imagine your body? Woo. I mean, yeah, every so day, playing every day. If we're talking about rules that need to change, Manfred, change that. Shorten the game to an hour, please. <laughs> I, okay, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with, like, pitch clock or anything like that. But I do think, in general, you know, a little bit less mound visits, all that kind of stuff. They What will make people that. watch is shortening the season. I th- That helps player safety. It helps it will probably lose more revenue for sure because not as much games. But no one watches games. Only They only watch during the summer because nothing else is on sometimes. And no, I mean, to the average fan, we don't. We only care about our certain team, maybe a few certain players. Uh, but make the seasons more – make the games count more. Uh, shorten the season, you'll get more people watching, uh, in my opinion. And I think, too, the MLB kind of – I mean, the MLB network is not in the same tier as the NBA network or the NFL network, right? Like, because no one wants to go watch the Pirates versus the Pot or the Marlins. I mean, yeah. Like, I think, I think part of it is that MLB needs a better TV rights deal. I think they need to actually enforce the rules they have in the book from now on, which it appears that they're doing with this sticky substance stuff, right? Sunscreen, rosin, Vaseline, whatever you want to claim, like they're using, right? You know, I think also. You know, there might need to be a little bit of reshuffling, right? Um, you know, kind of make the draft day experience a little bit more. But, I mean, these are all just kind of semantics at this point. MLB definitely has some structural changes they need to make to kind of keep the title of America's past son. Other than, I mean, at this point, you know, they might lose to the NFL. I'm going to be honest. The NFL yeah. draws in viewers. 
you know, they have continually have an exciting product, you know, regional fan bases that do mostly really good. Sorry, Texans, y'all suck. <laughs> um, but, I mean, that that's kind of the model that I would go off of, or even the NBA with its more games and how they do it. Yeah, there's just so much more star power in yeah. the NBA, NFL. Yeah, MLB's got a lot of players, but yeah, I don't think I can name two players off every team. I it's it's hard. It's impossible, really. There's a, really there's those is. few stars uh, per team, but NBA you can definitely name two. Um, and or NFL's got the same amount of play, or more players, but you can still name a lot more because just the star power in the league. So a uh, few we'll go through a few conferences or uh, divisions. Uh, see what's going on there. In the AL East, the Red Sox are actually leading the conference. Tampa Bay in second, followed by the Blue Jays, Yankees, and then Orioles. My God, oh, the Orioles are down 23 and a half games behind Boston. I, Sheesh. You know, I'm really surprised about the Yankees being down that bad. Like, I, mean, I, I, I hate the decision to fire Girardi. I, I hated it. I hate it now even more. Aaron Boone, the He's probably a good manager, but they, they're just not doing anything. I think the problem is the Yankees are using the other 29 teams as a farm system, and it's not working for them. But the Rays and the Buffalo Blue Jays, very surprised <laughs> by them, um, you know, doing that good. Red Sox, you get core, so you don't have core for a year because you suspend him. And then you get him back and oh wow you're suddenly leading the AL East again after you did after you got like a fourth place finish last year like okay bro yep come clean with us here yep. something's happening you sold your soul to the, like the devil or you used like a Ouija board or something something's happening here Orioles I'm sorry y'all suck just that's it no one wants to go watch games in Baltimore nope uh, AL Central. Uh, we're just gonna we're just gonna mention this and move on because no one cares about this. Uh, oh, White yeah. Sox and Indians. Those are the only two teams you have to worry about there. Uh, AL West. The Astros are back on top. Fall the so. yeah. Fall Dusty, by the Athletics. Dusty may save a little bit of his grace with this. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Uh, yeah, it's just Houston and the Athletics in the AL uh, West there. So some not much competition in the AL in their divisions really. Four Four Rangers. Yeah, it's sad to Your see. Your stadium looks like a trash can or a grill. It should just be <laughs> called Grilled Life Field or Mimic Made because that's literally what you based it off of, except it doesn't have a World Series trophy in it. You left Houston off of your map of Texas, and this is your penalty for it. <laughs> Roll in your own grave for this. <laughs> I, I went to their stadium. I saw the Corey Kluber no-hitter in a few games uh, when it happened. It's a nice... It's, it's a good stadium if you don't want to feel like you're at a baseball stadium. It's not iconic like Wrigley, uh, San Fran, the Pirate Field um, on the on the river, uh, those other uh, crazy stadiums, those other uh, awesome stadiums. It's just like a like a football stadium. It's like the Jerry Jones World right next door. I mean, it's like one of those. Compete with Jerry World. That's why they kind of like did like the entertainment district and all that. Yeah. But it just looks bland. I'm gonna yeah. be honest. It just looks. It is. It looks like a barn, but inside's pretty pretty massive on the inside. Pretty cool, but uh, not like those iconic baseball stadiums you love to see. Certainly not. So heading to the NL, the East, the Mets are leading that division, followed by the Nationals. Uh, a little closer in the NL East. Haven't heard much of those teams, uh, so we'll move on. And then the NL Central, the Brewers are up in that division. Cubs are in second. Uh, anything on anything on the NL Central? 
<laughs> All right, how about the NL West? I've been watching this. This has been pretty fun to watch. Giants and the or no, the Dodgers and the Padres. Wow, the Giants are actually in first place still. That's surprising. Uh, thoughts on the NL West? What's up? What's wrong with the Dodgers? I, you know, I think the Dodgers are finally facing a quality Giants team. I mean, I read that the Giants are actually outpacing where they were in their like 2010, 2012, 2014 seasons at this point. Really? That surprised me. Yeah. Like as far as like batting averages, hitting averages, all that stuff. Right? Like they're they're outpacing those teams. It doesn't surprise me that they're in first place. The Dodgers, I mean, just tonight, uh, like just like last night, you know, Angel Hernandez checked Trevor Bauer for six substances. <laughs> like, you know, I think it's kind of like a you reap what you sow thing. The Dodgers finally are reaping what they sowed. Like, they won basically a shortened, you know, season championship, right? You know, they kind of came in thinking that they were just the best, pe- the best team in the world, right? Which not saying that they're not a good team. They're a great team. But I think this is a little reality check for them. Padres, I really thought they would be doing better. Not going to lie. After the trouble they gave the Dodgers last year and how good Tatis Jr. is, Dude, I really thought. I love watching that guy. Oh, I so love fun. watching Tatis Jr. I want to get his jersey. That dude is so fun to watch. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. But, I mean, like. I really honestly thought the NL West at this point would probably be Padres, Giants, Dodgers. And they would all be very close. I did not think it would be Giants, Dodgers, Padres. No. Yeah, I thought it would be Dodgers, Padres for sure. Uh, Anything else on the MLB? I mean, not really. Just, you know, at this point, it's just really about kind of creating a better on-field product. Maybe that involves demoting Pittsburgh to AAA (laughs) and raising up another team or something. But they've got to do something better. They've got to change... Maybe even commissioner. See if you can post someone like Adam Silver. Yep. Offer him a lot of money. Manfred, <laughs> your days are limited, man. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the MLB. Uh, hitting the halfway point, we're already past that, but uh, going into the home stretch, kind of, a little bit. Uh, getting closer in this extremely long season that we have for the MLB. So let's move into our final segment. Who would you share a burger and brought? Guess go first. Okay, I'm going to share mine with George Strait, who's performing at the Houston Rodeo next year. I finally, after years of wanting to, have gotten tickets to see George Strait at the Houston Rodeo. I could not be happy. Mm-hmm. So thank you to George Strait and the Houston Rodeo. I can't wait on March 20th. And you know what? I'm looking for a plus one. Someone DM <laughs> Burgers and Brats. Check yes or no. We'll figure it out. You know, you don't owe you. You're not a part of the account, Clement. You can't see it. You know what? I can still find it and tweet back at you. So you know what? If there's a will, there's a way here. You'll find find Clement somewhere in our mentions or hashtags uh, on burgers and brats, and go give go give him a follow and uh, go go see if you want to be his uh, George Strait date. Uh, that'll be that'll be fun uh, to go watch George Strait. Uh, I'm sharing my burger and brought with Demarius Thomas, uh, wide receiver, uh, mainly known for being Denver Bronco. Just retired uh, this week. Uh, only one player in NFL history has equaled Demarius's production and catches, receiving yards, and TD, TD catches and wins over a five-year period from 2012 to 2016. And that was Jerry Rice from 1992 to 1996. So Demarius Thomas was a baller. Don't forget that. 
Uh, five Pro Bowl selections, two-time AP All-Pro Choice second team, five-time AFC West champion, two-time AFC champion, Super Bowl 50 champion. Uh, you had Peyton Manning to carry him. He can throw mm-hmm. stuff, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you have Peyton Manning as your quarterback. Remember, it Tim Tebow for a little bit, too. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Tim Tebow. Man, you know what? From being a quarterback on an NFL team, the starting quarterback to the third-string tight end. Uh, wow. Don't want to relive those Tebow days. Those were not fun. <laughs> uh, 153 career games, 777 receptions, 12,522 12, yards, and 69 TDs. That is a great number. That is a great chance. number. And 125 consecutive games played for the Broncos from 2011 to 2018. So Sherry My Berger and brought with one of the greatest Bronco receivers, uh, Demarius Thomas. Happy retirement. We love you from Broncos country. Uh, anything else to add from this late night podcast? Not really. I think it was pretty successful. And again, I'm not sorry for speaking the truth about Manfred, but I'm sorry that I used language that reflects my actual opinion. Yeah, yeah. Well, you'll we'll figure out the legal issues later on. Yeah, you know, just put like an NSFW tag on it and just be like, warning includes includes depictions of Manfred and people's actual opinions about him. Oh well, Clements, uh, thanks for coming on. Where can we find you on social media? Um, it's at Jacob W. Clements across all platforms. Please feel free to follow my TikTok and my Instagram. <laughs> Um, those are my two most active ones. And, yeah, just kind of hit me up there. I produce a lot of awesome content. All right, Jacob. Thanks for coming on, everyone. Uh, thank you all for listening. Make sure you follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Pandora, literally any other streaming platform at Burgers, Ampersand, Brots. And follow on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at Burgers, Brots. Thanks for listening. Take care. Stay safe.